0: we continue our biblical discourse in matters of race. This sermon was presented to our congregation during the COVID outbreak, which explains Pastor Jim's opening remarks. The social justice movement and critical race theory have recently begun to permeate the church. However, both of these ideas are not found anywhere in the gospel as taught in the Bible. Please listen carefully today's slice of this week's message, entitled, Overcoming Verbal Riptides. This is the time of year that uh, I customarily have been answering questions submitted by folks, and since I've only been seeing about a fourth of the congregation for months now, I didn't uh, want to do that, and I, I decided rather I would answer things that have come to me over the course of the year in many portions and in many ways. And so I I started it last Sunday, and uh, I haven't decided if I'm finishing it today or not. In the first service, I uh, ran out of service long before I ran out of sermon. So we'll see if there's enough to spill over another time or not. We'll have a guest next Lord's Day, and uh, we'll see about after that. But last week, when we looked at our common ancestors in Genesis chapter 10, the so-called table of nations, I said that um, I understand quite well that no one sermon from a preacher in Boise, Idaho is going to fix the manifold and very complicated problems in our society regarding the horrible sin of racism. And I want to tell you that a whole week after saying that, I still believe it. I make no pretense of even attempting to tackle all of the issues. That's not why I'm talking about these things. Our, our purpose in the world as the church, the body of Christ, is not to fix a society. Our purpose here is not to try to right the wrongs of a government. Uh, Jesus didn't do that. The apostles didn't do that. The scriptures don't teach us to do that. Our purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to give ourselves without reservation to His work of building the church. And I want to help you with your part in that, which right now is set in a societal context where there's a lot of sharp words going on, a lot of uh, bad attitudes going on, and I want to try to help you to deal with that. Now, I'll piggyback on some stuff I did last year. If you uh, remember, um, a year ago, in early September, I pointed you toward the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel. It addresses the uh, serious problem with the way that many people are approaching racism within the church, and I, I highly commend that statement to you. It's called um, the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel, and uh, Uh, You can look up the Dallas Statement on Social Justice. It's it's very thorough, and uh, I think you'll find it quite uh, edifying and helpful. What is called in the world these days the social justice movement is a, a very powerful wave of ideas focusing on how to deal with racism in our culture and in our generation. Now, we need to be very clear. The thinkers behind the social justice movement, they're not idiots, they're not fools, they're not stupid, Um, they are trying to deal with things, but the thinkers behind the social justice movement oppose the biblical doctrine of man, the biblical doctrine of sin, the biblical doctrine of salvation, and the biblical doctrine of justice. And the authors of the Statement on Social Justice in the Gospel, some of which are personal friends of ours, they did a great service to Bible-believing people to, uh, to make it clear that what is being labeled social justice these days, important as it is, is not part of the gospel. Practicing justice and being people of justice, doing just things, righteous things, uh, being that kind of influence in the world is an important visible corollary of being a Christian. A person who professes Christ but mistreats other people is a contradiction. Uh, We're not that kind of people. A a professing Christian who would take unfair advantage of others is a contradiction. A, A professing Christian who looks the other way when he or she sees someone being abused is a contradiction. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our responsibility as we see injustice in the world. The Bible has a lot to say, for example, about the responsibility of, responsibility of wealthy people to be generous and to be compassionate. Everything you see in the Bible that is addressed to the rich uh, applies to nearly everyone who attends a church like ours in a region like ours in A country like ours. We have a lot of responsibility based on what God has entrusted to us, and we have many opportunities to uh, fulfill that responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required, yes? So Christians um, really ought to be the ones who care most avidly about justice, about things like uh, helping refugees and strangers uh, and dealing with the poor in general, Widows and orphans, the people who most uh, struggle to help themselves. Uh, you all know Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Meaning, in eternity, if not sooner, God blesses those who are uh, caring toward other people. He says, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good. To all people, Uh, there's not a boundary on that. If you have an opportunity to do good, it's a good thing to do good. So let us let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Jesus said in John 13, uh, they will know you are Christians by how you love one another. They'll know you love me by how you love uh, each other. Now, Now you you know all that, but you also know that in our current situation, racism, is a very hot and very dangerous topic or treacherous topic, perhaps I should say. My goal for today is to help you better be prepared to navigate the minefield of dealing with discourse over these very emotionally loaded Uh, conversations that are going on, and and to remain godly in the process, and not to get trapped into um, fruitless, impossible arguments. If you've ever gone swimming in the ocean, um, maybe you know what a riptide is. One of my teenage pre-Christian visits to the Pacific Ocean along the California coast. Um, I was doing as I had done one day, and doing some body surfing. And I was waiting for, you know, a wave that I might be able to get on and uh, pick my feet up off the off the ground to start swimming. And I was going backward, and I found out what a riptide is. It's a narrow undercurrent that will drag you out away from uh, the shore. If you get caught in a riptide, you're instructed, and I, I remembered it. Unfortunately, it was a small riptide, and it didn't last long, but you start swimming parallel to the shore. You can't fight it head on. You need to learn how to, how to basically get around it. So I tried swimming parallel to the shore for a little while, and then eventually I could, I could get myself in. And I was also told it helps to scream like crazy and hope that a lifeguard Uh, hears you and will come and help you uh, get out. But uh, weaker swimmers and people who panic, they're the ones who get drowned because of a riptide. Well, there are verbal riptides all around us. And I want you to learn how to negotiate with them in the sense that you don't always just dive in head on and say, oh yeah, riptide, I'm stronger than you. I'm going to prove I'm so strong I can overcome you. Sometimes you may have to swim sideways to, to, to where you w- really want to get in order to uh, get not trapped and pulled under. We need to be diligent to be winsome, kind, compassionate, but uncompromising representatives of Jesus Christ and of the gospel by learning to recognize and avoid these verbal riptides. So, I'm not targeting the issues. I'm not going to address... Uh, police brutality, sometimes excessive force, is used. And when it happens, it needs to be dealt with for the sin that it is. Period. Nobody can condone that. Uh, I am not going to address rioting and looting. It is perfectly fine in our culture to assemble lawfully and peacefully and and to protest something. But the instant you throw a rock or light something on fire or start taking things that don't belong to you, you have stopped being a protester and you have become a criminal. And when that happens, it needs to be dealt with for the sin that it is. I will not ever say, well, I know that person was really frustrated. You know, the, the guy that murdered his wife was really frustrated too. You want him not to be prosecuted for murder because she said something really mean to him? I mean, let's, let's be clear on there are lines that lead in, you cross them and you're in sin. So there there are a lot more topics that I'm not going to deal with than the one thing that I am going to try to address a little more today. We're here to worship God. We're here to become better equipped to serve Him, to serve His people, to be spreaders of the gospel. And so we're taking uh, at least two weeks off from our ongoing series in Sermon on the Mount, and we will return to that. But I want to, just from a pastoral perspective, just as a as a Christian brother, as a friend, as, as one of the shepherds, I don't want to see any of you dragged under by a riptide. So let me see if I can help you a little bit. And here comes a highly non-inspired outline. I just had this blob of things that I wanted to share, and I thought I better organize them somehow. I came up with a spirit-filled outline because it is three points. Um, it's not a double whammy spirit-filled outline. There's no alliteration here. But generally speaking, let me, let me just bring up three points first.